This episode of A Tiny Revolution is brought to you in part by Q Christian Fellowship. Join Q for the first ever virtual conference happening January 7th through the 10th, 2021, featuring keynote speakers like the father Richard Rohr, activist, theologian, and writer Dr. Robin Henderson Espinosa, womanist and black theology icon Dr. Emily Towns, the Reverend Mufotutu Van Firth, not only that, but you'll have the opportunity to hear from and connect with LGBTQ plus Christians and allies from all over the world, including yours truly. I've got a podcast that's going to be live there. I've got a talk that I'm giving alongside my good Judy Matthias Roberts. Um, it's it's really going to be like I, I know that we're all zoomed out. And we're all conferenced out. But this time, BB, this is going to be revolutionary for all of us. Uh, conference is an annual gathering where hundreds of LGBTQ Christians and allies gather for worship and fellowship, workshops, affinity gatherings, and experiencing more of the fullness of God's love and affirmation through each other. More than a conference, honestly, it's more than that. We're catalyzing a whole movement, and the virtual all-access registration is just 65 bucks, and that makes this the most accessible conference ever. So please visit qcfconf.org. That's QCF. C-O-N-F.org and make sure you register today. And if you want to take a little bit off, use the offer code TINYREV10. That's T-I-N-Y-R-E-V-1-0 to get 10 bucks off of your registration. Again, go to qcfconf.org, get registered, and we'll see you in there. All right, let's start the show. Baby, baby, it's time for another episode of A Tiny Revolution. You did it, my sweet friend. You made it through another week. You survived. You got to episode 125 of A Tiny Revolution, which is crazy to me because now I'm like, oh my goodness, we're only 75 episodes away from 200 episodes. Um, anyways, you know, I'm, I'm thrilled about that. Consistency is pretty incredible. Um, even if, well, I haven't even been consistent, have I? I've just showing up when I could, and that's good enough for me. But anyways, hi, welcome to episode 125 of A Tiny Revolution, a podcast about ordinary folks living revolutionary lives. I'm Kevin Garcia, and I am, listen, my serotonin levels are through the roof. I got a dog last week. I got a new tattoo. Um, So I'm, you know, I'm feeling pretty, pretty icy, if you will, feeling pretty good. Um, So for me and my dog, Tip, um, who you... You can't follow her on Instagram. I don't think I'm going to be one of those people who gives their dog an Instagram because I have a hard enough time keeping up with my own shit. And, you know, Tippy, as wonderful as she is, she just pissed on my carpet this morning. And, you know, we're learning how to love one another well. (laughs) Anyways, she really is a wonderful dog. I really lucked out. She's super chill and is really helping my mood out and also keeping me company while I'm at home in my little office studio making shit happen. So anyways, I'm glad you're here. Uh, A couple of announcements. Like we said in the intro, Q Christian Fellowship is coming up. And if you use the offer code TINYREV10, you'll get $10 off your registration. It's only 65 bucks as it is now. So save yourself 10 bucks. Go get registered. I've got a live show that's gonna be happening um, on this online virtual conference. Me and my good Judy Matthias Roberts are giving a talk, giving a little co-workshop together on overcoming shame and reclaiming spiritual authority, getting rid of the bad theology once and for all. So listen 
listen, you want to be there, go to qchristian.org or qcfconf.com or org, whatever I said in the ad. Go there, get your tickets and get signed up now. Other things, I have a merch store that launched and you can use offer code REVOLUTION10 and get, I think 10 bucks off, 10%, something like, a percentage off, probably. Anyways, go to thekevingarcia.com slash merch and check out the new design for the Bad Theology Kills sweatshirt and t-shirt. And then also check out the new design from a tweet I tweeted the other day that kind of went, I mean, within our world, people said I would buy that shirt. And it's really funny. It says, I'm sorry you think God is so small, comma, and that your God is limited to 66 books and a penis. I said that on the internet and I think it's, I mean, instant classic for me. Apparently it hit it hit home with a lot of people. So if it hits home with you and you want to wear that on a shirt, um, be the millennial you wish to see in the world and go to thekevingarcia.com slash merch. Use Revolution 10 to get some money off. All right, I'm done talking about me. I want to talk about my new, the guest that I have on today. Um, the guest I have on today, we've known each other for a couple years now and we'll get into how we know each other in the conversation. But um, you're going to love her. Her name's Kit Kennedy. She's a novelist and ghostwriter with a number of books, you know, currently gracing the shelves around the world, two of which have reached number one bestsellers. And um, she can't tell you, I can't tell you their titles because non-disclosure agreements. Um, but, you know, she began writing with the intention of indulging a passion for delving into theology and pulling it apart. And it turned out to be a journey through deconstruction of faith and the discovery of a new way of engaging with Christianity and with, you know, the mysteries all around us. Life has thrown some pretty spectacular curveballs over at her through the past five years, and she now is writing from a place of peace, discovery, and optimism, hoping that uh, finding all of this through her own words brings her a lot of joy. In 2020, she launched the podcast Unchurchable, a podcast for people like her who found faith and spirituality to be a whole lot easier than church itself. Whether they, people were left uh, out of the church or kicked out of the church or excluded, whether it was because of doctrine, trauma, social issues, or something else, it doesn't lock us out from the spirituality game. And that's something that she and I really get into. So go ahead, tune in, go subscribe to Un- the Unchurchable podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and get ready to have your mind blown by the fun, fabulous, and beautiful Aussie accent of Miss Kit Kennedy. the universe might call BDE, Big Dick Energy. Uh, <laughs> right. Yes, I know that. I know that that, yeah. that acronym. Fantastic. How are you anyway? <laughs> like, hi. Overall, overall, overall today, I feel very good. Um, I launched my um, my coaching course this week. And yeah. tonight I had my first, like, I said, okay, Tuesday nights, we're going to meditate together. Mm-hmm. Show up if you want to. And I was like, okay. Let's do it. And it was like a really positive experience. I'm just like, yeah, I just think I need to own this. Like this is completely normal. Yes. Look, I think it's a beautiful time to learn meditation because um, we can't go to church. Um, Mm -hmm. So so faith isn't this external thing at the moment. And if that's all it is for you is going to church, doing programs, doing things, then this kind of coronavirus lockdown 
can feel like a bit of a godless moment. <laughs> yes. So I feel like it's a bit of a collective shift, like mm-hmm. right across the world. I'm, I'm here for it. I love it. Um, so. And I think that's like, that segues nicely into talking about what we're going to talk about, which is hey, you. Which is me. I don't so, usually talk about me, but this is fine. I know. <laughs> I know. This is, I, I mean, here's the thing. You get used to talking about yourself mm-hmm. and then it's just like, and then you just realize that you're just talking with somebody else like you would anybody else. So yeah, exactly. I never exactly. think of it as talking about myself. It's just, I'm just talking about myself or I'm, t- I'm really talking with someone, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, and that means contribute contributing interesting things about you. Well, I shall look forward to it then. This yeah. Is, this is so. My, yeah. Okay. It's my first time being interviewed like ever. Usually I'm the interviewer. <gasps> Whether it's on Unchurchable or whether it's in my other life where I'm interviewing kind of neuroscientists and stuff. so Which um, I still think is just so crazy. It's so cool. <laughs> Look, so, it is. I love it. But anyway. <laughs> who who the hell are you? Okay. Um, what do you do? What's your life like? And what's something interesting that, you, uh, that you've learned recently? Okay. Okay. So my name is Kit Kennedy. I blog at kitkennedy.com um, and... I run the Unchurchable podcast, which is just newly launched. Um, both the blog and the podcast kind of arose out of my own deconstruction. I'm the eldest daughter of Christian ministers. Um, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I am estranged from mm. my dad and mostly estranged from everyone else in my family. Um and that kind of came about because of a lesson that a few people have learned, and that is not to question leadership, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, even if they're your parents, um, in my case. Especially and, if they're your parents. Oh, lolly. And, um, yeah, so that's a long story, and I'm sure we'll get to it. I think I want to preface mm-hmm. this whole conversation with saying there's a lot of trauma um, that I've lived through and that baby daddy has lived through, and you'll learn about mm-hmm. in a minute. Um, but we are in just a wonderful place. Um, yeah. And I think when people start talking about deconstruction, and I have this mm-hmm. sneaking suspicion that, you know, my deconstruction journey began with the blog five years, well, a couple of years ago and like a few years before mm-hmm. that when we were kind of disfellowshipped um, from my dad's church and I lost 25 years worth of friends like like that um yeah that was a big moment it was a traumatic moment yeah and what was that what was that changeover like you guys got uh you said defellowship was that like excommunicated sort of um but it's a bit more complicated than that um so yeah you don't have to go into polity if you don't want to (laughs) no where to start basically um (sighs) okay so there's certain norms that you get used to within a church Um, And and every church has a culture. And if you were to ask me, the the culture of my my dad's church was quite authoritarian. Mm. Um, There was this doctrine of one man that they spoke about a lot. So we were supposed to. I have never heard of this. Well, (laughs) it's basically in the community we were supposed to be as one man. We were supposed to back each other up. We were supposed to kind of go after the same goals Mm. as one man. That was kind of, um, yeah, so look a bit sus. Um, (laughs) And and really they talk a lot like if people would question, you know, especially women, oh, she's a Jezebel, blah, blah, blah. Um, it was strongly caught up in the prophetic and I'm using air quotes, apostolic movement, 
which yeah. in so like my, a very pretty Pentecostal mm, move. Heavy. But I think the fault in the in you know, in my opinion, the fault in that apostolic move is it sets up this kind of pedestal around the man at the front and says, Do not yeah. question this man. He has a special line from heaven. You know, you mm-hmm. get used He's to He's powerful. Uh-huh. Like yeah. And also it's so interesting. I'm just like people regard folks like that lit- as very powerful. Yes. Not just in like Yeah. Uh, the sense of just like they have like money or control over mm-hmm. large groups of people, but just like if this man speaks a word, yeah, like I could die. Yes, yes. Oh my gosh, yes. Um, so our church is part of a, a broader network, and the head guy is over in Malaysia. And literally, there was this fear that I carried around, and that um, Patrick slash ex husband slash baby daddy best mate um mm-hmm. he we carried around this fear that if we spoke this man's name out loud that somehow he would know or somehow <laughs> kind of, like literally we went to this youth conference when we were like both yeah. in our formative years it was over in malaysia you feel like you're part of this revolution you know and mm-hmm. and he told this story about how when he prayed for this kid on the prayer line like he put his hand on top of the kid's hand and the kid disrespected him by putting his hand on top of the prophet's hand um mm-hmm. and a week later the, and a week later the kid was dead so we literally were like oh my god i'm gonna die because like we've questioned Whoa. yeah like so that kind of <laughs> i'm laughing but what else do you do so um yeah it's one of those things where like you look at this like oh my god that's horrible yes <laughs> yes so but anyway my particular my particular story has a little bit of a different bent to most mm-hmm. in that um, in my particular church, okay, you know purity culture, right? You know. Oh yeah. Yeah. So our, we know about her. We've met her. We yeah, hung out. Yeah, that bitch. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so. But truly, she didn't. She did not get invited to the reunion. Yeah. No. 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 <laughs> so in our church, basically, what the the system was: if you liked someone, you'd tell my dad, the pastor. And then he'd kind of sit on it or whatever he did, pray about it. And then he'd, if he thought the idea was good, he'd then, you know, present the idea to the other person. Um, and in a lot of cases, he'd actually like match people up. And so he matched oh. me up with my guy. Um, mm-hmm. The thing that, that daddy didn't mention to me is that this actually came after sort of 10 years of anti-gay counseling for, wow. for my guy. Um, Mm -hmm. so I'll never forget January of 2010 when our quote unquote romance began. And it really was a beautiful Mm -hmm. thing because it was built on this friendship, this fantastic affinity for each other and respect and, um, but also on his part, deep internalized homophobia and, Mm -hmm. you know, this effort at being straight. And when I was reading through your book, I remember calling and going, you Mm -hmm. are bisexual, right? Because Kevin's story sounds a lot like yours. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyway, (laughs) so we've separated now, but it's all good. Uh, We'll get to that. Um, So, yeah, 2010, we're sitting on the beach and he, you know, we were just kind of getting to know each other. And for the first time I told my story of, um, abuse and trauma sustained mm-hmm. within the church system um, at our church and also at a church that my parents had sent me to um, while I was at university. And then for the mm-hmm. first time in my life, I had someone in my corner. And it was such mm-hmm. a healing moment because he was like, No, that shouldn't have happened to you. Like, and he, he reacted like a person should have. 
mm-hmm. in like how are you going to get justice for this instead of what I'd experienced up to that point, which was cover-ups, um, mm-hmm. both in terms of my dad and in terms of the, you know, and later on that year we would experience it um, with that kind of guru in Malaysia. Um mm-hmm. And that was, uh, I don't know about any of your listeners, but here's Mm. what I think about religious trauma. Layer number one is when the trauma happens. Layer number Mm. two is when it's covered up. It re-traumatizes. It it beds down that um, I am not heard, I am not safe. But also when you put this layer of kind of eternal dread (laughs) over Mm -hmm. the top, also I must stay in this place that reminds me so much of the trauma that I faced. So, you know, so I had this beautiful moment of telling him and, and being heard and accepted because um, I felt that my abuse made me unacceptable. Um, mm-hmm. And he had this moment of telling me I used to be gay. And mm-hmm. I knew because of the emotional energy that was attached to that, that used to be wasn't necessarily the truth. Yeah, I, when you said that, mm-hmm. I was like... I felt that like in my, something shifted in me. I'm just like, oh, I've said those words before. Yeah. Yeah. And I was, I was naive enough to, and I, tr- I knew him. I knew he was a man of integrity and he would mm-hmm. never lead me down the aisle unless he absolutely believed that happily mm-hmm. ever after was possible for us. But yeah. you know what repression does. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. Yeah. It makes you like, I know that I can do this. This is what I'm supposed to do. Of course I can do it. Why wouldn't I be able to do it? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And all of all of those scriptures, I mean, it's crazy. Um, yeah, and, mm. you know, like I've read the the Living Waters um, handbook that. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Holy cow. Tell you what. <laughs> we've got a strategy for everything. <laughs> and, and it's really pathologizing sexuality and desire and kind of the way you connect and yeah giving you it's like it's it's the least organic uh it's just like this is how you do a romance with a lady (laughs) what step number one find a lady and And step number two be nice to her (laughs) step number three Maybe you should try to have sex with her, maybe. <laughs> but not until but don't after worry. you're married and divorce is not an option, sweetheart. So, you know, 100%. Kind of, like, oh what a double bind. But here's the thing. Um, I have this wonderful friend, uh, Nathan Despot. Mm. He runs the Brave Network of LGBTIQIA uh, Christians here in Australia. Um, and he did this interview on the podcast for me and he said, we have to stop thinking about sexual orientation and gender identity change efforts as formal courses alone because it's there in pastoral counseling. It's there mm-hmm. in one on one, you know, and I, I it's not of, just about like these one off ex gay counseling programs. No, it no. is a theological and cultural problem. Yep. So, like, what I found interesting about this is later on, like years later, after we'd been disfellowshipped, um, we'd we were talking about this because we were journeying through um, baby daddy's uh, sexuality, um, mm-hmm. you know, and unpacking what that meant for us. And you can probably hear my son yelling in the background. Yay! Being awesome, <laughs> he's loving his life. <laughs> he's just loving his life. He's loving it. Um, yeah. So. <laughs> I learned that there was lots of different kind of one-on-one sessions with lots of different people in the church or lots, like a handful of men in the church. And one of the pieces of advice, (laughs) which cracks me up, 
is don't don't read the arts section of the newspaper. Read the sports section, like when the men read it. And oh I'm like, my god! Yes, I remember that. Like, like sweetheart, you know, baby daddy and I see the same thing when we look in the sports section of the newspaper, and it's like athletic men in little shorts. Like, it's not a like that's it's not helping. It's like yeah, like for me, just like it's just like I actually told I was living with. Um, one of my roommates and I actually told him, I was like, Hey, can you please put your men's health magazines in your room? Because for me, that's like looking at porn. Yeah. (laughs) Because like, it's just like, I can't look at a men's health magazine for workouts because I look at it like, and it's like boner city, man. (laughs) Oh gosh. Well, look, can relate, but you know, as a female. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Relatable content. Yeah. But the thing is. And also it's, it's, it's so interesting. Like, like you say, you say, uh, and like, I relate to the living waters thing of pathologizing stuff. So it's like, well, if it, if if it's the thing is liking, if he likes a guy, it must be because he's not being a man enough and yeah. being a man thing, do yeah. a man thing. And I'm just like, there are straight male ballet dancers out there who don't know shit about sports. Like, yeah, exactly. You it's guys not are like, about you guys, and, and that's the thing. It's just like that's how did they? Where did that come from? And I think those unhealthy, unhelpful ways of thinking about um, just the expression of self really mm. takes away from God's intended diversity. You know, mm. like come on, pastor. Like that's <laughs> oh gosh, that's a word I never wanted to hear applied to myself. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's so well. Sorry you that know. you started speaking a word of truth. Okay. <laughs> You know, there was like lots of different uh, like, you know, people that kind of had, there was a handful of people who had expressed interest in me and there was one that was Mm. kind of on the pastor kind of road and I think people Mm. always thought that I would marry a pastor and that I wanted to be a pastor and really that's the least desirable Mm. (laughs) thing for me. But, you know. You're telling me, sister. Yeah. (laughs) And yet we are what we are. So, you know, I don't mind. I don't mind. I mean, who was it? Was a... I think it was Cash who said, we are who we are. Yeah. Yeah. We're dancing like we're dumb. Yeah. Just like the night is young. Yeah. And, oh, goodness. Anyways, getting back to it. So you and Patrick are together Mm -hmm. and he's seeking justice and he used to be gay. Yeah. Well, he wasn't seeking justice because we're kind of discouraged from that. He was seeking to understand himself and... After we'd attempted to raise some concerns with with my dad and it was actually Mm -hmm. the day I found out I had fallen pregnant for the fifth time. Now, Mm. I had miscarried the other four and I'd done it all in the space of a year. You said fallen pregnant. Was mm-hmm. that the term y'all use in Australia yes. for becoming pregnant? Yes, yes, that's what we say. Um, I've fallen pregnant. Yeah. Oh, she's fall like she's, she's fallen, fallen ill, but she's fallen pregnant. Ooh. Yeah, I keep on falling. Sorry. So yeah, that's the word we use. Um, so okay. I had become pregnant for the fifth time, and in that previous year, I'd miscarried four times in that that kind of the month previous we'd had this mm. moment where we sat and watched going clear um which is the scientology documentary Yo, yeah i watched that it's wild that was a holy shit moment for us um because i like i'll never forget we finished watching that documentary and i looked at patrick and he was white he was just white as a ghost and so i just got up and had a shower and went to bed <laughs> and about three weeks later he said to me are we in an abusive church? And I looked at him and I said, yeah, I believe so. And just like that. Yeah. 
And I couldn't tell you whether that was an answer for anybody else or whether that was an answer for the church as a whole. I couldn't tell you what that was, but I I can tell Mm. you that in that moment that was what came out of my mouth and it is what had been true for me for a long time because my abuse had been covered up and because Mm. the push to have me on stage on the keyboard like every Sunday, almost Sundays, there was another keyboard player, but... Um, but you were like you're uh, like the church's daughter yeah um the push like even over the course of my miscarriages like everybody else who was going through infertility got sympathy and i seemed to get pressure and gossip and there was it was messed up and then so on the 11th of november the day we found out we're pregnant with henry patrick knew we had to leave because yeah i remember i went out for lunch with my friends and as i was pulling out the driveway i saw dad walking in Mm. And um, <laughs> he had his shoulders up, his head forward, and he just looked like he was ready to hit someone. And I thought, that doesn't look like a pastoral care visit, which I thought was what it was because I told him that Patrick wasn't doing well. And, um, you know, over the miscarriages and just the difficulty that that had put on us, you know, my post-traumatic stress disorder because of the abuse that I'd faced had really, you know, come to the fore and that was difficult for a partner to handle. Um, so I pulled out of the driveway and I thought, gosh, I wonder what's going to happen. And when I got home, like not an hour later, dad was kind of slamming the door and leaving. And I've then mm. sent a text message on, okay, come back tonight. We'll have dessert. We'll sort this out. That was a disastrous kind of thing. Like, and, yeah. but, and for me, my PTSD triggers are rooms I can't get out of. Um, it's, and it's like yelling because um, yelling starts to sound like screaming and mm-hmm. it, it all gets pretty terrifying. And, and also not being listened to, I think, because I'd tried so many times to kind of tell, um, you know, my dad what was going on and he just mm-hmm. kept on saying about my abuser, he's a good guy, he's a good guy, he's a good guy. And, um, yeah, but he, so, yeah. Um, but he was abusive. So, um, and it was really, uh, yeah, that was really damaging. So, anyway, so this conversation could not have gone worse and it mm. actually ended up with kind of my dad standing at the top of me and yelling and and I, Patrick, could t- tell that I was getting triggered and that I really wasn't able, to, like I was just not in good way. Mm-hmm. So it. he's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, like it was bad, it was bad. And, um, and so Patrick knew we had to leave on that day and he was right, but I wanted to fix it because I love my family. I love them so of much. Of course, yeah. And that is part of the difficult thing in in loving these people so much is yeah. not, not being able to have them in your lives because they're determined to misunderstand or they're determined not to hear yeah. the ugly truth about what happened and the ugly kind of, you know, and, and this is another learning that I've had both in terms of, my siblings and who I just adore, but I, I don't have much to do with at all. Um, mm. And also when it comes to Patrick and dissolving our marriage is mm-hmm. we can have simultaneous experiences with people, but we can't have the same experience as them because what we bring into a situation is everything that's gone before. Like we can witness like two siblings can witness a parent turning up on a doorstep, for example, um, mm-hmm. and this is just an example, and 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 just inviting themselves in. And one sibling can be like, great, they've dropped in, fantastic. But the other sibling 
may have had a completely different set of experiences, may have said don't visit, may have said text before you visit, may have Mm -hmm. gone no contact or wanted to go no contact and have seen that as a complete breach Mm -hmm. of trust, of boundaries and, and may indeed see it as threatening. Patrick and I had a beautiful marriage, but we did not have the same marriage because I could fully be myself in my marriage. Mm-hmm. He felt like he had to play a part. We both oh, had this incredible yeah. friendship. Yes, we like we have a great friendship still. We made two incredible kids and we love them to death. We mm-hmm. deconstructed our faith alongside each other, but we did not have the same marriage because I brought in post-traumatic stress disorder from religious trauma and he brought in trauma from gay conversion therapy. We did not have the same marriage. So, you know, that realisation has kind of been a bit of a freeing one for me Mm -hmm. because it allows me to see him better and Mm -hmm. it also allows me to see myself better because I can sit in understanding and myself from a place of self-compassion, I think. Um, Mm -hmm. And it also allows me to see my siblings um, who, look, may sue me after they hear this interview, uh, but, hey, (laughs) you weren't there. (laughs) Um, Listen, like, if they they sue you, we will do a GoFundMe. (laughs) We will get these things covered. I had another one of my friends who got sued recently too for uh, telling someone else's story. So, like, you know. Donate to that, yeah. But also just, like, Mm. we don't speak that over you. We we are protected. (laughs) We don't invite that into it, you know. Word of faith, bitch. Eh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Amen. Amen. Absolutely. Gosh, I sounded so Aussie, just so bogan in. Amen. Um, but anyway. Amen. Move. Listen, <laughs> I live for your accent. <laughs> Look, move like, to Australia. It's the home of the Hemsworth. <laughs> One hundred. Listen, you think I'm joking? Things are not good here in America. Do you know oh. what we have going on? <laughs> Everything terrible. Oh, I know, because like Trump and like, oh gosh. Listen, if something listen, about like, demon sperm was that? Oh a my thing? god. Oh yeah, demon sperm. Yeah. You know anyway. the. I, I'm actually. I've seen a couple of shirts out there, and I actually want to get them. It says homosexuals are possessed by demons. I'm just like, a gay person wearing that is the most hilarious thing I've ever seen in my life. Just, just as long as like people don't think you're straight, and then like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna chop, I'm gonna chop into a crop top and tie dye it. Okay, yeah, gonna, well, word, then you're fine. So, I mean, so every every now and again, like when I go out and I have a drink, I look at my friend and I'm just like, is this the spirits homosexuality in this drink? The spirits, do you get it? Because it's like spirits and stupid. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. I love, you know I live for a dumb joke. That's what I do. Okay, real quick. First Hmm. of all, thank you for telling and sharing all of that because, wow, what a lot to walk through. And And also like how beautiful that you are also somebody who has come out on the other side. And not only, you didn't just survive, like you are now flourishing and really- Like, that's the thing is, like, I see, like, I've seen, like, I've known you for a minute now. And it's like, yeah, to see how you've come out on the other end, you and Patrick both, it's just like, yeah, you guys, the love you have for each other is so evident and the love you have for your kids is so evident. And now you're just like, you're rebuilding, like, not even rebuilding. It's just like, you get to try again, do something else. It's really powerful to see. And well, thank you. I thought I would die if my marriage fell apart. I literally mm. thought this was the unsurvivable thing. And, and you know, at the beginning of the year he said to me something along the lines of, and I'm paraphrasing, 
we're doing well, aren't we, babe? And I was like, yeah. And he said, I'm still calling helplines a lot. And I was like, yeah. And he said, we've got to transition this to friendship. And make no mistake, I cried. I went on the anxiety diet for two weeks, Mm. lost like 15 pounds. It was amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, Been there, done that, felt that. (laughs) Yes, yes. And then I came to this place of acceptance that I'd known this for a while and that it was okay. And all of a sudden I realised that around in my circle, God, in all her wisdom, had placed people who were deconstructing purity culture, who were realising that putting value on someone's, you know, sexual experiences, their sexuality or their marital status was actually doctrine over person and it was, oh, come it was on, evil. Oh, come on, pastor you know? again. <laughs> I'll take Sorry, it this time. I'll take it. <laughs> keep going, keep going, keep going. That, that doctrine over person is so damaging and it is so not God. When I sit and I meditate and I engage with my newly found contemplative practice, I realize that God is not an energy that in any way seeks to, you know, condemn me, that in any way seeks to Mm. alienate me. And if we serve a God that is doctrine over person, that doesn't care about you or your experience, that places value on your marital status more or your, you know, sexuality or your gender or your gender identity more, then that's not God. And I interviewed this beautiful person, Keith Christich, um, on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, and he said this banger of a line. He said, if you comprehend it, it is not God. That's it. And I thought, wow, we have reduced God to a handful of rules and dogmatic things and kind of dehumanizing experiences that put us Mm -hmm. lower than the divine, that make us unworthy, that make us dirty. And yet... That's something we can comprehend, but mm. that doesn't mean it's God. Yeah. And what's mm. so crazy is like, I go like, I'm just like, and what's so interesting is like, there's part of me that's like, of course, like this religion developed mm-hmm. like the way that it did mm. because like the people who were running, I just, I think back to the beginning of evangelicalism, which mm-hmm. is like, has the, it was like kind of infected like colonial white Christianity in general. Yeah. The world over colonial Christianity has in this route that uh, I was talking to someone the other day who was one of my atheist friends. They're just like, mm. I don't get why like people are like into like people can like see abuse within a church and just let it go. And I'm like, yeah, well, it's because they believe that God would kill his own son. Yeah. For some cosmic debt that somebody. Yeah. Eve. Yeah. Messed up. And it's like yeah. one of those things where just like that doesn't make like even as a child hearing Mm-mm. just like oh yeah Mm-mm. you know original sin because Eve got bit the fruit and then yeah. <laughs> Jesus died and that just that changed everything for everyone for all time but what about peoples from before but why are we so into Israel yeah oh gosh Zionism that's a whole other oh. thing but can I just say we've come back to doctrine over person again that God. Mm-hmm. You know, doctrine over person. God hates sin, so God will kill his own son. <laughs> like, And, of course, that's not we worded in a lot more of a flowery way, but it's doctrine over person. That original sin was Eve eating the fruit. It's misogyny that is bedded down, and it's still mm. experienced in churches that are complementarian in any way, that idea that women are, you know, 
the same in value but not the same in authority, you know, mm. I've, I've heard so many times um, around the dinner table and stuff like that because I'm a pastor's kid, I'd, I'd hear right. conversations. And, like, if there was something happening in a family, often it was, oh, he's passive, he's an Ahab, she's a Jezebel. Um, oh, God. And so, again, with, like this misogyny is kind of excused, um, but that's bad mm-hmm. doctrine. I mean, if you look at Jezebel mm-hmm. um, and if you made her a Christian princess sent to a pagan nation mm-hmm. and she was holding up the rights and, and you know, holding up her own faith practice, we'd be praising her as a hero. <laughs> mm-hmm. But because she was a pagan princess sent into an Israelite nation and, and not conforming to their way mm-hmm. of being, we're like, oh, You better retell evil. the she's, story of yeah. Jezebel. I mean, let's just think about it. Like we'd be praising her as a hero, as a as a Joan of Arc, as a, yes. you know, a standard bearer for Christianity if, if yeah. she got into po- a practice that way. Mm-hmm. There's a legend that goes of uh, of a woman who actually became pope. Like she just like apparently mm-hmm. could pass as a dude, and so she did. She might have been she had an affair yeah. with. <laughs> yeah, she was like just she just looked like a dude, and she was elected and passed as pope. Yeah. And then one day she became pregnant, and apparently carried to term, and then gave birth on like the floor of of what? the Vatican. This is and a, then a myth, right? It's not real. <laughs> we don't. I think it's. I think it's possible. There's a lot that the church has covered up over the years. Yeah, and a lot of chubby and, priests. Let me be honest. Come on now. <laughs> and so it's just one of those things where, like, there was like a apparently like a woman who like mm-hmm. like was did a whole lot for like women's like yeah. help in the church. But again, it's all. That's the thing that I find interesting. So you started this podcast called Unchurchable. Yes, and. It's kind of like I think you and me have like arrived in a very similar place of just like Jesus is a dope dude. He's, you know, our teacher. We still have like a lot of Christian language. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, we're not so convinced that church as we have done it is the way forward for people of faith. Yeah. Um, And I look I ask to podcast guests this question, Um, you know, why do we like you? about basically corruption um, in the church, about covering up abuse in the church. And and he was like, as soon as you apply hierarchy, as soon as you add Mm -hmm. power or money to a situation, it it becomes, you know, it becomes this thing that can so easily go toxic. And um, I actually look at the Apostle Paul and a lot of his writings is what we base our experience of Christendom on. And yet Mm. he was... He did not meet Jesus in the flesh. He had a moment. Yes, he had a moment, Mm -hmm. but he did not meet Jesus in the flesh. He did not. He was not a disciple in the same way as the others. He was Mm -hmm. raised in a religious system and he's transferred a lot of that wisdom across to the way we practice Christianity, which was supposed to be so different from the Pharisaical way. Um, And, Mm -hmm. and yeah, like people ask me whether I'm a Christian and I do say yes and, and, and something inside me dies a little bit because the God, word. If, mm. Because it feels like we lost. Yeah. I mean, like for me, like that's what it feels like. If I admit that I'm a Christian and I still like carry that <laughs> moniker, it's like, oh, yeah. God damn it. Yes. Yes. And I, I feel like a lot of people are actually 
arriving at this place, a lot of the progressive or affirming Christians are mm-hmm. arriving at this place when, that when somebody asks them, are you a Christian, they struggle to say yes wholeheartedly because of all that means. Not because they yeah, don't love Jesus, exactly. not because they don't want to follow his teachings, but just because of the baggage that that term comes with. Um, and there's a lot. There's a lot of baggage, as we know. So, yes. Yeah, I think we've arrived in a similar 2000, place. 2,000 years of baggage, mm-hmm. in fact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just like. But it's like for a while I was like, I want to call myself a Christian because that's how like, you know, you make the change. You can make the critique if you're a part of the family. Yeah. And I don't think that's true anymore. Yeah. No. Because it's like uh, I'm not flourishing. Like, yeah. And now here's the, here's like what's so interesting is that like I'm also somebody for like incredible congregations in oh, local yeah. places who are doing amazing things. Mm-hmm. Like I go to Park Avenue Baptist in Atlanta. Yeah. I fucking love it. Now, granted, <laughs> we haven't met because yeah. coronavirus. Yes. But places it. like Middle Church in New York. Yeah. Or places like, um, fuck, where does Brit, uh, my friend Britt Barron preaches at a church in um, in L.A. that's mm-hmm. super inclusive and affirming and she's a black lesbian. Yeah. Oh, wow. And love so, it. Love it. And uh, so it's like I see these places. I see that's good. Yeah. But also like. Were uh, my church anybody else, I probably wouldn't want to be a part of it. Um, and, you know, because, okay, so Patrick and I just moved to Melbourne, which is three hours from where my, my hometown and where we'd lived, where both of us had lived, um, well, me since I was three years Melbourne. old and him for the lot. Yeah, Melbourne. That's how we say it. It's not Melbourne. It's Melbourne. Oh, um, I only know that because my brother's <laughs> ex-fiance was from Melbourne. Uh, and I said, you're from Melbourne? Wow. She's like, nope. Nope. <laughs> And, you know, Brisbane is Bris Vegas um, to most. But anyway. Brizzy. Yeah, Brizzy, Bris Vegas. Um, Yeah, so we moved, like get this, we moved after the first lockdown. Mm -hmm. Um, Like we inspected the house, signed the lease agreement and everything. And then we actually, the, the, the moving van arrived two days after lockdown two began and now we're in stage four so we're allowed to leave the house for an hour a day to exercise um we are allowed one person from the house is allowed to leave to go and get like medical or food supplies um and we have to be home before eight o'clock so super fun Um, can i just say (laughs) i would like for america to actually start doing that well if you do it for six weeks i mean you get through so many incubation periods for the virus you just whack that thing on the head like no that's the thing it It makes so much fucking sense but you know Mm. who's not going to do it any of the republican governors especially because it's it's (sighs) 90 days until the presidential election and why is why is quote unquote got a Republican and why does Republican mm. and far right or alt right have to walk so close to crazy? We have anti-maskers for God's sake. Like what, what is that? <sighs> anyway, yes. So we moved and um, <laughs> a lot of people, cause I was going to a, a beautiful Baptist church back in sale. And one of the pastors there is actually my children's godmother. And she's, mm-hmm. she's very affirming. She goes into bat for, um, you know, the, the queer members of her youth group and, um, and, and really, she really goes in for the, for the queer members of the church as well, which is beautiful. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's a country town. It'll change slowly. Um, but she actually messaged me and she she was very respectful in the way that she made this approach because she knew the experience of church that I'd gone through over the last kind of 20 years. And mm-hmm. she said, look, I don't know whether you want to engage with the church. I don't know whether you want to belong to one or whether you want to just casually visit one or whether you don't want anything to do with it. But if you do, um, St Kilda Baptist has just put on a, um, a partnered lesbian pastor and i think you'd be safe there and 
That I thought was so beautiful. I have no intention of going because I, mm-hmm. I think I need to give myself some space from the institution for a while. Um, mm. But the the wording, I think you'll be safe there, was a real acknowledgement that church had not mm. been a place where I felt safe, where right. my mental health was able to flourish. And can I just say, if people are developing more mental health issues after they start going to your church than before they were there, hey, you have hey. to look at your culture. So, you know, soapbox stepping off. <laughs> no, stay on the soapbox. Let me mm. get you a megaphone and you can say it again if you'd like. Well, no, but that is the that's the fucking tea right there, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. It's it like, is. what is going on with your people? And like, yeah. that's also the thing with so, like, uh, I went to this church way back in the day um, that I, um, it's the one that uh, I got in trouble for it because I liked Ellen DeGeneres' tweet, oh. the story in the book. Ooh. Yeah, mortal so, sin there probably so, is actually now she's not that popular at the moment is she poor thing yeah god it's <laughs> anyway. like ugh, that that chapter didn't age well no, <laughs> <I didn't. laughs> uh, anyways uh so we move move on moving forward to mm-hmm. uh today or a couple of weeks ago one of my friends who led worship with me when i was a student she was in high school mm-hmm. when uh i was a junior in college and so like she graduated and like we were both like worship leaders together Mm -hmm. kind of like the same like stage of life or whatever Mm -hmm. and then i came out and like everyone kind of just like dropped off the face of the earth except Mm -hmm. for tara tara Mm -hmm. stayed in touch with me and i'm like huh that's interesting yeah Uh, a few weeks ago uh she sends me this image of her and her girlfriend yes congratulations tara and i was like fuck yeah and so then she's texting me she's like yep it turns out uh you were absolutely right about our pastor yeah you know because apparently like talking shit about her without even naming her like this is the thing that makes me really angry is that Mm -hmm. like the the, the same thing happened with me when i came out like i i he didn't name me our old Mm. pastor Mm -hmm. but he did the same thing he did to tara and he said something along the lines of how do you love someone even though they're like blatantly celebrating their sin you know and loudly celebrating their sin and it's like i wanted to go up if i could be there i'm just like the same way that i love you fred which is giving you the middle finger and saying, good luck. And then I believe God. Yeah. Because that's the thing. It's just like, you know what, friend? Like, you are the one who's actually living in sin. Well, you, yeah. You dumbass. Yeah. And this, this, this whole, like I, I said to somebody, how can Christians support Trump? How can they? How can hmm. they be so gullible? Um, to, to proclaim him as God's man for America when he has such... You know, and and I went, I don't need to say all the things about Trump that you guys already know, but um, Mm. I was kind of, I was saying this to this person who was not a Christian, but who was a very spiritual person, very wise. Mm -hmm. um, And he said to me, he goes, can I just, can we just talk about the word sin? And I was like, yeah, okay. And he Mm -hmm. goes, we're going to talk about it in your own frame of reference. And I was like, okay. And he goes, so Genesis 1, God creates it and it's good. I'm like, yes. And he goes, so you believe that God created you and you were good? And I was like, yes. Mm-hmm. And then he says, so isn't sin anything that represses who you are? Yeah. Isn't sin anything that represses how you are meant to express yourself? Mm-hmm. And I sat back and I thought, gee, that's hard to wrap my head around. Um, but then if you start to think of sin as something that 
gets in the way of us being who we're meant to be. Yes, even if it's on. doctrine, even if it's people standing from the pulpit and, and calling you sinful. Like I tell my kids, it doesn't matter who yells the loudest, doesn't change what the truth is. You can yell really loud that black is blue, but it doesn't change what the truth is. Hey, and you better come on, mama. Yeah, you know, like we've we've learned that we have to yell our story the loudest in order to be heard. And if someone from the pulpit will look at us and say, yes, yes, I bless that version of the story, then we are absolved and we are in truth. But in actual and we fact, are in and and we're included and we're loved and we're safe and we are part of God's beloved family. Yeah, exactly. When we get validated by that person in power. Yeah. And where I've arrived at is I don't need that validation. Come on. I do not need that validation. If the abuse that I suffered was covered up, does that mean it didn't happen? No. I, you know, heard somebody was actually, because after after it came out, two years, oh, three years after the fact, I think it was, after Patrick and I had left the church or been disfellowshipped or whatever kind of, because it wasn't as clear as you, you can't come anymore. It was, it was made impossible for us to stay. Um, mm. And eventually I had to give my parents a letter because we could not have a conversation. Um, like we just couldn't, like they would not make time or dad would not make time, duck my calls. And, you know, so eventually we left by a letter. Um, and when we kept it quiet for a couple of years thinking if we can keep quiet, if we can be the bigger people, then, you know, if everything will be okay and we'll have a family relationships back. It went from bad to worse. And, mm-hmm. and then my sister-in-law was actually in, uh, cause Australia voted on, um, same-sex marriage and or marriage equality rather and mm-hmm. she was in the no campaign ad <laughs> God damn. and um there was it was a horrendous time because at that very same time i was seven months pregnant with our precious little daughter allegra and patrick was going mm-hmm. through this sexuality crisis and i'm getting mm-hmm. phone calls going why won't you put your own self aside and put put forward a united front for us and i'm thinking let's talk about gay marriage i'm in one like you know (laughs) 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 but i'm sorry sorry, i shouldn't laugh that (laughs) (laughs) i told you i'm taking up stand-up comedy now that i'm in australia Uh, yeah i can't wait listen i cannot (laughs) listen when we when i get down to australia we're going on a seven city tour it's gonna be great (laughs) yes i'll open for you Fuck yeah, dude. That is so good. So fun. Um, But yeah, so that was this time where there was people were bullying each other in the community. My best friend, who is this just fabulous, um, fabulous person who was, uh, was, used to go to the same church, left under, you know, really difficult. Well, she left because she had a girlfriend and that was not Mm. acceptable. The girlfriend turned out to be a real bunny boiler, but she's now with Mm. this amazing. A real what? A bunny boiler? What does that mean? You know, single white female, that movie, but the stalker and there were bunnies that, anyway, like oh, just, just total psycho. Is that, an Aust- is that an Australian phrase or is, or is that like a common phrase that I just didn't know about? Uh, I think it's a common one you didn't know about. Maybe. Oh, anyway, we, we talk know. about We talk about crazy abusive people as being bunny boilers. But anyway. Um, uh, okay. Bunny yeah. boiler equals crazy abusive people. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Tracking. Keep sure. going. <laughs> so, um, yeah, my best friend, uh, she's actually with this um, beautiful girl now who I, I really, I'm practicing my speech for Maid of Honor. I so am. I really yeah, am. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's our little secret. What was I saying, Kevin? I've lost my train of thought because um, of the we bunny were talk- boiler thing. <laughs> oh, totally fine. We were talking about... Um, 
you sent your dad a letter because you guys couldn't talk and uh, it went from bad to worse. Yeah, and so and- so my beautiful best friend, um, she actually was a victim of a hate crime and she oh was she was punched and told that God hates fags um, and she put the, a statement up on Facebook so that she could get witnesses um, and next thing there's members of the church on her doorstep going, this reflects badly on us, can you change your statement, blah, blah, blah. Re-victimizing, re-traumatizing somebody who had been the victim of a hate crime. And it was a terrible time in in our town. It was a terrible time because, you know, previously Patrick had been involved in politics and previously he had been uh, (laughs) under duress, I will say, well, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. Um, He kind of got pushed to the front of a campaign to disendorse a member of parliament over their support of same-sex marriage long before the debate actually went to the plebiscite. But um, it kind of, Patrick had spoken up about process, but it actually then became this real effort um, headed up by um, predictable people uh, to to get this person kind of removed from parliament. And therein lies Mm. the dominionist overlay that uh, exists Mm. in my story as well. Um, So, you know, and we're talking uh, people from the church and from another network church in town signing up to be members of this political party so that they could vote for the the removal of this member of parliament who I might say survived the coup (laughs) Mm. and has just been a real beacon of honest politics. He has just really gone into bat for Gippsland, which was really hit hard by the fires and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, hasn't been caught up in any money laundering scams or sex scandals, you know. Anyway, there so, there are moments mm. in my life where I wonder, I'm just like, if I ran for public office, like the thing is just like, <laughs> I just wouldn't give a damn about process and I wouldn't give a damn about decorum. Yeah. And I would just be like, no, 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 this is what I want. And I want to have this. And this is what my people need. This is what we're going to do. Yeah. But then it's also just like. <laughs> All the money you have to raise. Oh, gosh. Like, and it's all the people you have to, like, yeah. The, the I money, actually yeah. have to talk to people. Like, I have yeah. to be nice. And, like, that's the thing. It's just, like, I can be nice, but also just I don't give a fuck. Yeah. and But isn't that the problem with politics? People go into it and don't care about process and they don't care about what people, you uh, know. You know what? You better say that. Like, it's like, okay, we're not going to let the lunatics run the asylum. I'm going to run this thing, bitch. And and then yeah. we've got Trump in the White House. Like, you know. You know um, what? You're right. And, mm. and so that's, and that's one of the things is, like, and then it's also so interesting that, like, the process has shielded him from, yeah. from, from justice yes yeah and well yeah. so it's a it's a uh, it's a snake eating its tail you know yep. yeah it is you know how is history gonna tell it you know help tell this tale that's jesus like <sighs> I, I i feel like well i think what's interesting now is at least with in the age of document the way things are documented now mm-hmm. um i mean one would i mean again like history will be told by whoever is in control yep. i'm sure because yep. that's typically how it works mm-hmm. however i'm hoping that the way that the world is moving is that the people will actually be in control maybe and by that yeah. i mean just like i think like we we i have said this to you and i've said this to a few other people like i feel like there's a big uh kind of like spiritual awakening that's like where it's just like oh the spiritual is the political is the everything oh like, yes yes and that's what i think is like where i think like being you and me being unchurchable people like it's I just love like that we're word. In, I, yeah it's like no i'm like i'm really not interested in doing that again 
I'm really uh, not interested in because you no. said it. You like anytime you a hierarchy and money mm-hmm. get together, mm-hmm. it creates a system. Mm-hmm. And so something I would like this is just me spitballing here, mm-hmm. um, but an idea that I'm borrow I borrowed that we could borrow or one could borrow from uh, Alcoholics Anonymous mm-hmm. is that part of their preamble that they read at every single meeting is that Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, uh, does not is is not a non for profit, nor do, do we accept money in any form whatsoever. Only mm. donations from members of the group will be accepted. Okay. Um, and so when I look at that, I'm just like, that is how. And then think about it. Alcoholics Anonymous is the most successful wow. church program in the world. Wow, I did not know that. Yes, because all they do is like they, they and they even say we have one focus and that's he, we are here to help people stay sober. And <sighs> this is how we do it. Do you know, I saw a, a church advertise at me a mental health program the other day. Mm. And I just felt incredibly angry about that. And it's but, like, yeah, oh, it's a- been endorsed by Bobby Houston from from Hillside. Well, is she a doctor? Show me her qualification. If she's endorsed it, then fine. But if you, like, no, like this is a matter of the singular focus needs to be on helping someone get well. Mm-hmm. If you try to pair that with church and you've got someone who's been traumatised by religion, then mm-hmm. you've got a program that is trying to get help quote unquote, get them closer to Jesus slash get them more entrenched in the church and also mm-hmm. help get their mental health on track, you have a fundamental clash. Yes. Um, and religious trauma can exist in all sorts of forms. Like, you know, um, it can be abuse at the hands of a pastor or a leader in the church or it, it can mm-hmm. be a Christian father who abuses or neglects his child and is still going to church on Sunday, that it can be that religious layer to it. We can't, Mm -hmm. you know, we need to stay in our lanes, have a singular focus on the person, Mm -hmm. not the doctrine, not the money, not the church attendance, not the metrics, the KPIs. I don't care about that. And neither should the church. We should care Mm -hmm. about people. And I think this shift in 2020, we can kind of view it as a cosmic shit show if we like, or we can go, what is the divine trying to do in this moment? We have Mm -hmm. had a pandemic every hundred years. Like last century, it was the Spanish flu. And the century before that, it was cholera. And the century before that, it was the bubonic plague all Mm -hmm. around the 20s. Like there's this thing that happens in cycles. But what we're Mm -hmm. doing now is people aren't turning up to church there because we can't. So we're sitting at home and watching it on TV, on on Facebook TV or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. It's decentralizing our experience of the divine or it should Mm -hmm. be. Or at least like the way that we access or engage with spiritual or with like communal spiritual practices. So I think it's a good time to think about the purity of that, the purity of me and God communing together, the the purity of me being able to sit and read the scriptures for whatever they are or to look at the trees outside and to concentrate Mm -hmm. on the oxygen and the the temperature and just the beauty of my kids or the beauty of. To be here. Yep, absolutely. It's all Baba Ram Dass be here now. Um, mm-hmm. But that experience of the divine takes away power, takes away the mm. the kind of obligation to pay uh, your Christian insurance, 
Ten percent, aka your tithe <laughs> on Sunday if you're a good Christian. Which is the person I don't know. Hold back the judgment of God. I don't know. Like you know, it's no. It's, it's just like if no, bring unto the storehouse that which belongs to the mm-hmm. Lord. Yeah, and you know, sure, like the fear involved in not paying tithes has been massive for me. But I'm learning. Oh my to God, I was fear. so scared when I stopped tithing. I'm just like, well, I gotta give to something. Yeah, yeah. So and for a while, like I was like giving to like um, nonprofits in town, and now I'm working on that 10% I was giving. I mean, I still get, I, I give uh, 15% to my church, but I also like pay down my debt. Oh, hey, yes. What? I buy people flowers. That's fun. Yes. I bought myself roses today. I was in oh. the grocery and I was just like, oh, I deserve that. Oh, I you do. <laughs> and it's yeah. just like, it's just, we need to, beauty yeah. is uh, under underappreciated. Yep, it really is. And God is in beauty. God yeah. is in those roses and God know, is those roses. Exactly. And when we can reframe that way and mm-hmm. take power and politics and mm-hmm. personal gain. Blah, 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 uh, Come on, you better alliterate. <laughs> I didn't mean it. I, I don't like alliteration. It's power, politics and personal gain. <laughs> my bitches. Um, if you can Listen, take that I can't out. wait for you to write that in your book. Yeah. <laughs> my book. Oh, let's talk about that another day, Kevin. Um, but um, yeah, when we can take that out of our experience of the divine and just simply seek out God for who God is um, and whatever mm-hmm. form that takes in our life in this moment, then that is a beautiful thing. And yes. I think that is why church no longer traumatizes me because church no mm-hmm. longer defines me. Church no mm-hmm. longer defines how I relate to God, how I relate to the divine, yes. whether or not my story is true, whether or not I am valid, whether or not I am, you know, mm-hmm. it's just whatever. I don't, I don't care. I don't need church to define me. I don't need it to accept me. God mm-hmm. accepts me. God yes. calls me beautiful. God calls me beloved. And mm-hmm. that is how church has stopped traumatizing me. Mm-hmm. So that has been a big shift that, towards healing yeah um, i think the yeah. thing you're you're saying i've I heard another way it's just like i you you have figured out that the church is not god oh in fact it Amen. was a false god and Boom. now you are now it's just like ah yeah god the entire time really has really loved me mm-hmm. god the entire time really has mm-hmm. really accepted me yeah and also it's like one of those things where um uh I said to someone who was having this, like, I said, God loves you. And he was like, oh, how do you know? It's like, I know God loves you because I love you. Yeah. And I said, I know God yep. loves me because you love me. Yep. And it's just yep. like, so how do I know that? I I think, how do I know that you're beautiful? Because yeah. I can see you. Yeah. Like, I'm oh, looking yeah. at you. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, and I'm just like, I, I can't doubt what's right in front of my face. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's a good time for to really reflect on that and to truly bring God inside us truly Mm. see God inside us. We always talk this evangelical line about inviting Jesus into your heart, blah, blah, blah. Mm. But still within those systems, within those, you know, um, the word of God comes from the pulpit, Mm. um, not from the still, well, it does come from the still small voice, but, you know, the practice clashes often with the Mm -hmm. lived experience. And, um, you know, I think there's been a lot of decentralization of, Christianity, it's become something mm-hmm. we experience from outside of us uh, where in this moment it's a good time to bring it inside and mm. and from there really trust our inner compass when it says something is true or not or good yeah. or not or helpful or not. I, That's the big one. Yeah. Is it helpful? 
Mm-hmm. That's the that's that's mm-hmm. always my thing is uh is it's my kind of like my my test for like whether or not I care about something. Yeah. Um or whether or not I think it's relevant. It's just like is it helpful? Yeah. Theology is only as good as it is helpful. Yeah. And exactly. if it doesn't and like if it's not relevant, if it doesn't work, if it hurts people. Yeah. Something uh Course in Miracles says is that the teacher of God should always be willing to reconsider uh any of their actions or thoughts if that has ever caused somebody pain. Exactly. We simply must, must move from doctrine over mm-hmm. person to person over doctrine mm-hmm. because we've seen that in the parable of the sheep. You know, God would leave the 99 to find the one and yet we live the exact opposite way. We must move to person over doctrine. And also to realize that uh, that in that story we are not the, the 99. We are, we, are, we are to be Jesus. Yes. We oh, are to love be, that. We are the, like... Who is that one that yeah. I am supposed to go get? Mm-hmm. Who am I specifically mm-hmm. positioned to, you know, quote unquote, give ministry to or, mm-hmm. or love or buy yep. some fucking flowers for? Yep, Who? exactly. exactly. And so that really is like the thing is just like, you know, that's yeah. why like, <laughs> yep. you just, like, it's just like you, it's like you guys think that you're the 99, that you have no responsibility here. No. Wrong. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Oh. I, I love it. I love the reframe. And I think if anything, 2020 is giving us time to reframe. It's yes. freeing us from those shackles and going, mm-hmm. how do you want to engage now? And I think it's going to be really interesting how those big evangelical kind of organizations reinvent themselves mm-hmm. after COVID. Um, if they can. If they can. And, and, I'm, yeah. and like my, my big hope is that just like as this curtain has been peeling back at almost lightning it feels like lightning <laughs> speed in some ways because like really like it's, uh, it's ripped the band-aid off speed i think <laughs> yeah it's just like everyone because like i don't know how much you live on the tiktok world oh but, look um, no nah, no nah, i tried it and then i realized i'm too old i mean oh girl 30s, Kevin. i don't <laughs> i only pop on there now to like look at like some comedians and like you know gay abs things like mm-hmm. that <laughs> Um, but, uh, there is like, there's this like interesting, like there is uh gay Christian TikTok, and then there's like celibate gay Christian TikTok, side B Christian TikTok. And then there's like gay Pat, like there's like gay reverend TikTok. Who's like, these are the verses in the Bible that do, 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 do. And I'm just like, here's the thing. I'm not trying to argue with them anymore. I'm not interested in that conversation. No. And I don't, I like, that's the thing. It's just like. Well, how are you going to call yourself a Christian? Like, I don't care to call myself. I don't care to call myself a Christian. Yeah. I don't and need your brand. I don't need your Like, labels. It's like, if you, if you don't want, like, mm. if you don't want me, like, bye. Like, I'm still going to, like, do me. And, like. Yeah. See, and I, that's, like, it's so, it's so frustrating. Because, like, the th- I think for so long what we, what so many of us from this world did was, like, like, what you said. Just, like, I was made to believe that I had to play the game. I had to fit into yeah. the system. I had to be a, you know, the good girl. Yeah, you know? exactly. Be, exactly. You know, and do you know it's, it's interesting what you're saying because you, you know, you as a um, a great a gay a gray Christian. I'm really sorry. You're not gray at all. There's a gray Christian. <laughs> you as a as a as a gay Christian as mm-hmm. as as a queer Christian. You should not have to to fight that fight that's mm. you know i i sometimes think like because in australia if you're only a conservative christian church you can be completely unaware that progressive pro- progressive christianity exists at all 
100%. It's like a rumor to them. Yeah, because progressives have stopped agitating in in conservative circles because they don't want that fight. And my passionate feeling is you should not have to fight it. It's mm-hmm. it's people who can sit in that place of, um, you know, who can kind of stand in the gap and not be so mm-hmm. personally affected. And, I mean, mm-hmm. like I'd love to say that I could stand in the gap, but the fact is if somebody in my separation from from Patrick, if somebody thinks that they need to take sides, then I don't want them on mine mm-hmm. because there there are no sides in this in this breakup. We Come have on. gone, I love you, so I want you to experience love to the fullest. And that was mm. what we realised about each other. So it was a decision made in love. But if somebody thinks that they need to support me and not him, I'm like, that's mm. I, I don't need that. And so I take it very personally when people mm-hmm. are not affirming. Um, I perhaps take it more fir- uh, personally than what Patrick does, which is funny. Um, but, you know. No, if- I get that. I get mm. that, though. Um, I have friends who are like. For me, it's just like, yeah, fuck, yeah, fuck off. But it's just like, it's like, I'm gonna fucking kill you. <laughs> yeah, I'm there. yeah. I'm there. So I'm kind of like, I'm not gonna put my children in a church where they where they are even a little bit indoctrinated against their father. I'm not mm. going to expose them to that at all. If they cannot see God in everyone, then mm. I don't want them to see God in church. Like that's not the place where I want them to experience that. Um, so, yeah. you know, but anyway, speaking of children, I can hear them screaming downstairs and I probably need to uh, go and relieve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So before we hang up, <laughs> tell bullet. humans uh, where they can connect with you on the internet and follow you and listen to Unchurchable. Okay. Well, Unchurchable uh, is on Spotify and iTunes because Google Play doesn't allow podcasts from Australia yet. Uh you know, discrimination. 100%. <laughs> Listen, when when Joe Biden's president. No, yes, when Joe Biden's president. Here we go. Cross our fingers. Get out there and vote, people, because the whole world suffers if you choose the wrong guy. Yo, <laughs> yes. you better say that. You have a part in the salvation of the world, everybody. <laughs> yes, yes. Go vote. Register. Get out there. Wear your masks. Anyway, um, so Unchurchable Pod on Instagram and on uh, the... The Twitters and my other account is Kit M M for Marvelous Kennedy mm-hmm. on Instagram and Twitter as well. So you can find me there uh, or on Facebooks. Yeah, um, yeah. So. I can't wait for our Australian world, our Australian Seven City Tour. Oh, it's gonna be so fun! So it's fun! Gonna be I can't so wait. Good. ghostwriter, podcaster, and unchurchable woman of valor, Kit Kennedy. Like she said, you can follow her across the internet at Kit M. Kennedy across social media, and you can check out her website, which is kitkennedy.com. Learn about her, about her stuff. If you need someone to help edit a book, ghostwrite your shit for you, um, Kit was the editor for Bad Theology Kills, um, and let me preface that by saying the content editor, the structure editor, the storyteller, not the proofreader. That was left to me. So all those little mistakes you found in my book and you all keep telling me about it, yes, I know about them. Don't worry. <laughs> oh my gosh. Listen, being a self-published person, I kind of love the fact that there's mistakes in it because it's just like, listen, if an asshole like me can do it, so can you. You know what I'm saying? Anyways, listen, if God can speak through an ass, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Anyways, Kit, I'm so, I love you, girl. I miss you. I know that we've never actually met in real life, but I can't wait 
again for our Australian tour. It's going to be a blast and a half. So uh, if you like her, go check out her stuff. And yeah, that's all I've got to say. If you want some sweet merch, you know what to do. Go to thekevingarcia.com slash merch. Use code REVOLUTION10 to get some monies off of that. And you should definitely check out our participating sponsor this week, which is the Q Christian Fellowship National Conference. Go to qconf.org and use the offer code TINYREV10 to get $10 off registration. It's already super duper cheap anyways. Um, I think that's the th- thing that's supposed to do. I'm supposed to tell you to follow me on social media because I'm at the Kevin Garcia and I love the collection of growing people we have out there listening to the show, discovering it for the first time. And also, if you like the show, um, go back and listen to some of the older episodes. We've got people like Nadia Boltzweber, Austin Channing Brown, um, Austin Hartkey, uh, Lenny Duncan. Like literally, we had a we've had a lot of incredible conversations on this podcast over the course of three years and 125 episodes, and I love it. And I love it so much that I have been able to participate in helping y'all in some small way. The coolest thing for me is actually hearing from people saying, "Hey, your podcast really helped me with this. Your your book gave me some words to help." So I'm, I just want to say I'm so grateful for every bit of support that y'all give me, both. Uh, in words of affirmation on the internet and also financially. And this is where we segue into Patreon, which is where I tell you that A Tiny Revolution is supported by 125 people on Patreon. It is seriously because of my patrons that I've been able to actually support this work and not go broke trying to change or, or share my story with the whole world. It's pretty incredible. And so I just want to say thank you to everyone out there um so yeah if you if you like the show and you want to become a part of create the creation process making it possible please go to patreon.com slash the kevin garcia there are perks associated with it there's stickers there's mugs um there's a there's workshops every single month which i'm starting to get together this month's workshop so if you are into that i really want you to come be a part of the party with us so please go to patreon.com figure out just little as five bucks a month gets you an exclusive video that i put every week it's called the monday morning miracle club and i just do these little deep reflections um that i think are just uh, so much fun to create for my patrons and so much fun to see the reaction of how we're all getting spiritually free together so join the party it's at patreon.com slash the kevin garcia merch is at my website books at my website it's called bad theology kills and you should definitely read it if you haven't already i love you please leave me a re- review and rating on itunes and wherever else you can rate podcasts because it seriously helps get this in front of other people and that's all for me Uh, So if you haven't today, go drink some water. If you haven't taken your meds yet, do that. Move your body, shake your ass a little bit, eat something delicious. Look at yourself in the mirror naked and tell yourself that you love yourself and that you're beautiful and wonderful and powerful. I do this every single day to myself. And let me tell you what, my relationship with my body has shifted so much because I tell myself the truth. And even if you don't feel like it, even if you don't feel like you're wonderful, even if you don't feel like you're powerful, I'm here to tell you that you are. So get your ass off the couch, take off your clothes, stand in front of the mirror right now. And even if you feel a little weird about it, just think God loves this body and I love this body too. And I love you and I love your body. What? I don't know. That sounds weird. Anyways, thanks so much for tuning in for another episode of A Tiny Revolution. I'm Kevin. I love you so much and I'll see you next week. Bye.